BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon, Shazmin Shamsuddin here, and today on Bookmark, I've got an avid reader in the studio as opposed to a writer. An avid reader is good. Always good to have on Bookmark. Welcome to the show, Sheila. Thank you. Okay, I understand you have your favorite book with you in the studio right now. One of my several favorite books. Right, okay. It's a book on architecture. Tell us all about it. Why is this your favorite book? Okay, this is very strange, right? I've always wanted to read a book that talks about the soul of architecture. Now, I'm very interested in architecture. I'm a highly visual person. I like aesthetics. I like beautiful buildings, beautiful clothes, whatever. But, you know, when a building is ugly, <laughs> in my, from my point of view, it sort of jars with my spirit. And I, I, I get very stressed out looking at the numerous ugly buildings dotting the landscape. Mm-hmm. Now, I used, to, I used to be a journalist writing about property. And one of the things I was very interested in was architecture. And I had the opportunity to interview many architects, local and foreign, to talk about their projects. And then I began to learn about architecture. But it was always more of the technical side of architecture. Right. And then I saw this book in the bookshelf at a friend's house. So I just picked it up. And it was like, zing, you know, like, I have to read this book. I said to my friend, I'm taking this book. I'm not giving it back to you. Okay, <laughs> because this is the book I have been looking right. for, which tells me what I want to know about architecture. Okay, what is this book? Who is it by? And uh, is that the original copy that you stole from your friend? Yeah, I didn't steal that. <laughs> I told her I was taking it. <laughs> and she said, but I want it back. I said, well, we'll see. Anyway, it's by Alain de, de Botton. Okay, and it's called The Architecture of Happiness, The Secret Art of Furnishing Your Life. Wow, okay. Is this guy an architect or is he? He is not an architect. Mm -hmm. Now, I had mentioned this book to a couple of architects, a friend of mine from New Zealand who's an architect, and he said, oh, that book, no, 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 it's a terrible book. And I'm like, why? He's, He's not an architect. How can he write about architecture? And I said, simply, it's precisely because he's not an architect that, his writing about architecture sort Appeals of resonates to you, right. with me, yeah. Because architects will write about architecture from an architect's point of view. This guy is talking about the impact of architecture on our lives. Right. You know, what messages we can get from architecture, what metaphors we can get. And, and then when you look at a building, what can you tell about the building or the country or, you know, the person mm-hmm. who built it, you know? Right. Right. So... Well, the one thing that I really, really liked about this book, why it kind of totally appealed with me, is that it kind of confirmed something that I'd always suspected, that architecture and emotions are linked. So the shape of what you see around you, you know, can determine how you feel yeah, it about can. things it can. in the life. Environment, yeah? The built environment certainly impacts how you feel about life. And, you know, you and I, Shazman, I'm sure you've had this feeling. You've gone into a building and you've either wanted to run out because it was, it gave you a terrible sort of mm-hmm. emotion and a, a kinesthetic in you that says, I don't want to be here. Or, alternatively, you've gone into a building that's so awesome, so beautiful that you're just filled with awe, mm-hmm. you know, and you just want to stay there and sort of pay homage to that building. Perhaps. Right, absolutely. I know what you're saying, yeah. Mm. I mean, most often such buildings are like, you know, institutional buildings or places of worship, you know, uh, mosques or temples or churches. You go in and, and you get a sense of awe. Mm-hmm. 
Or maybe it's a commercial building, an office tower or a, or a beautiful museum. Or a um, little museum. cafe even. Yeah, uh, a little cafe. Yeah, it, it, it maybe in, in if we're talking about smaller spaces. Yeah, it might inspire yeah. something different in your sense of fun or lightheartedness mm-hmm. or something. I think a lot of times when we go into homes, you know, sometimes you just step into a home and you go like, oh, wow, I, I just... I would so love right to here. live here, yeah. You know, I felt like that when I walked into a home built by Jimmy Lim. I mm-hmm. mean, he is one of my favorite architects, you know, of all right. time. And he's very, very Malaysian, but not not that um, recognized, you know, uh-huh. because he's a bit of a renegade. <laughs> but his houses are something else, you know. Okay. They are so Malaysian and yet so contemporary and, and aesthetically Visually so appealing. Okay, so tell us about this book. What is it about it that uh, you could recommend to to okay. us? Right, I love the language. I mean, this guy he really writes um, with uh, with style. You know, I I'm one of those readers who um, I I don't like books which are written too simply, mm-hmm. where the language doesn't engage me. I guess because I I am a writer too and um, I love language. I love the English language. So if something is just too straightforward, it doesn't appeal to me. Mm -hmm. So like this guy, he says, um, you know, taking architecture seriously, therefore, makes some singular and strenuous demands upon us. (laughs) It requires that we open ourselves to the idea that we are affected by our surroundings, even when they're made of vinyl. And would be expensive and time-consuming to ameliorate. Now, big words there, but when mm-hmm. he puts it all together, he puts it all together so that it just flows like a river. You know, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to you like oh, big words, la pompous. No, it just sounds so right. You know. Right. And he says it means conceding that we are inconveniently vulnerable to the color of our wallpaper, and that our sense of purpose may be derailed by an unfortunate bedspread. <laughs> I have a lot of those at home. <laughs> ah, you know what I mean? I mean that little quirky uh, thing that an unfortunate yeah. bedspread. How, yeah. how many people write like that? <laughs> Do you have any unfortunate bedspreads or unfortunate oh, plenty. buses <laughs> or you know unfortunate pillars in front of your house? Mm-hmm. You know, it's down in the garage gates and things like that. Mm. They don't even belong to me. Yeah. <laughs> So the other thing I recommend is that it, it gives a layman's perspective on the impact of the built environment on human beings. And this, this is something architects often forget in their endeavor to please their clients and and sort of flatter egos and also right. to, to, to satisfy their own egos, you know. So um, it's all about money. Mm-hmm. You know, and so where where are they as guardians of good taste in architecture? <laughs> Ask you look at the horrible oh, building. Oh, you know, it's possible that uh, you know their clients have required a certain style, and you know, and they're just following through as 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 a provider of the service, you know. Yeah, true. True <laughs> enough. I mean, if money is mm. the ultimate objective, that's fine. But this brings me to mind. Uh, it brings to mind another book that I read long ago, right? It's called The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. Mm-hmm. And um, and one of the characters in that book was an architect, right? The, the main uh, protagonist, the male one. And he was sort of a very minimalist person. And when he had clients telling him to put um, Corinthian pillars and columns and Roman columns and all that, he just refused to build. Right. He said no. 
I'm not going to do this for you. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, our architects can't do that. Like, they have to cherry makan and all that. But at the end of the day, you are consultants. You are the professionals. Yeah. And, so, and you need to go and start educating your clients and saying that, hey, what you build is a reflection of you, you know. <laughs> so if you've got Corinthian pillars all over the place and you've got all these grandiose mosaics mm. and all things you that may be overcompensating for yeah something. yeah you're <laughs> sending a huge message to people out there yeah. about who you are okay so that's basically in a sense what the the writer is saying in this book you know okay and then um also he he talks to us about what is a beautiful building uh he gives us some of the values you know that determine how we should uh um, the virtues of building so to speak like if you want to look at a building you you want to look at um, elements like the order, okay? Is is it an ordered building? Is it an organized building? And the balance, you know, in the, in right. the architecture. And I think it's more than just the balance of of the materials itself. I think it's the balance between functionality and aesthetics. You know, mm-hmm. um, is it going to be a building where people are going to fit right at home in, or is it just going to be an aesthetic shell? Right, you know, right, which is not really going to be of any use to anybody. We got a lot of those around here. Uh-huh. Yeah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's also about elegance. You know, you want a building that's elegant, um, and you want coherence, meaning that the coherence in, ty- in terms of the design of the individual building is that building does it reflect what its purpose is for right and like also for example if it's a, a theater or if it is a, a library mm. or even a government building yeah yeah i agree with you mm. i mean this is one reason why i i think you know the, the recent move of the actor studio out of bansa shopping center a lot of people lamented it but i thought no that was a a, a good thing in a sense because that was a shopping center. It was a space in a shopping center. It used yeah. to be a cinema, you know. Yeah. And then it got turned into a sort of like an ad hoc theater. Now Joe and Farida did their best with that, you know. Yes. And 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 sort of sort of um, they kind of grew a lot of talent in there. Mm-hmm. But I think that if you want to talk about a theater, the adaptive use of, of the um, KL Pack is an excellent example of how you can take an old building and adapt it to to use. And in a way, it's like sort of rebuilt. Mm-hmm. dedicated to theatre and when you go into that building you get the sense of the arts you know yes the, absolutely right yeah. yeah I think people lamented the demise of the actor yeah. studio at Bangsa Shopping Centre because it was convenient yeah. you know and yeah. it was just you know that's yeah. where it was yeah. it's, it's t- it's, it takes a lot of getting used to yeah. I suppose to, to no, mm. something that's been an institution but I think Whenever one door is closed, you know, that another is open. Many, many open. So. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that there has to be coherence. You know, you build a theatre in a shopping centre. It wasn't a dedicated theatre built in the shopping centre that the shopping centre kind of was built around it. It was just a by-the-way wow. thing, you know. <laughs> it was a cinema and then became a theatre because... They know, did good renovation work, though. Yeah, they did, they did. I know, I mean, yes. And I appreciate all the things that I've gone and seen there and all that, but... I, I'm, I, for one, think that wherever they're going to go, they're going to have a chance to mm-hmm. do something more with it. You okay. Know? Hmm. So, um, yeah. So, and what I like about this book, you know, is this this guy, he, he kind of gives you a whole overview of the development of, of architecture. You right. Know? Okay. He talks about um, how... Uh, for more than 1,000 years in the West, a beautiful building was considered a classical building, you know, in the style of the Greek 
yes. and Roman temples and all that. You go and look, you know, in in um, London. Yeah, London, for example. <laughs> yeah, those are kind of like neoclassical. So you have this classical structure, mm-hmm. and and you know, it spread throughout Europe. And then the, the 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 Greeks started it, the Romans copied it, and then the Renaissance Italians kind of like brought it back into fashion again, okay. and then they took on. And then after that, you had the the Gothic style. Now the Gothic style was usually for like churches and mm-hmm. you know big institutional li- buildings. You see a lot of that in France. Yeah, and New York right. City. Yeah. yeah. And so what happened is this guy called Horace Walpole. He decided to build a Gothic house. It was the first <laughs> Gothic house in the world. Where was this? Um, in England. Uh-huh. And so he took that ecclesiastic idiom. It was uh-huh. largely used for churches, places of worship, of the Middle Ages. You no know, Gothicism. And he put it into a domestic setting. So then there became this huge trend <laughs> for gothic buildings, right? So was that like the first um, documented ugly house uh, on, in the history of I don't know, but ugly, architecture? I mean, <laughs> gothic has its place. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you built a gothic house in Kuala Lumpur, uh, but you know, a lot of people <laughs> think nothing of building a Tudor house or oh, a yeah. classically green Greek house in KL. And I'm like, no, mm. <laughs> it's not for more the on that in a bit. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, right. So um, then, after that, in the early nineteenth century, um, people began to want variety, right? Mm-hmm. Because they were seeing styles from here and then and everywhere else. And then you know the Prince Regent. Um, he he was the was he the son? No, he was. 18th century, I think, you know, the Prince Regent, he brought in all this uh, Chinese classical style mm-hmm. and e- very Eastern styles, yeah, right? The Orient. Oriental, yeah. right. So people um, began to want to have all this kind of different elements of architecture. So there were Chinese, Egyptian. So this, gave, this signaled the rise of eclecticism. Okay. BFM 89.9, the business station.